Ladies and gentlemen, around the world, this is Gavina T.K. Kirkland. You're listening to the T.K. Kirkland Podcast. Um, ladies and gentlemen, this is the T.K. Kirkland Podcast. Again, as every week I tell you, I've been doing this seven years, and I have met some of the greatest people on this planet with their own journey, their own story. They don't even know they have a a story until they talk to me because I'll be like, yo, I've got to put this on my podcast. Well, this beautiful, sexy motherfucker woman I got on the phone, that's my baby. We um, we talk all the time, and we were talking the other day just about life. And she served 20 years in the military. And me, being inquisitive, I always ask a lot of questions, and she started giving me the, the real insight about the U.S. Navy, the Marines, and the Army that I would like to all my fans who are listening, you got kids that give me going to the service. If you got kids already in the service, things they need to do for them to win as they come in. Because if you know, if you come to my stand-up, you'll see what I talk about when I talk about um, the government pimps the state, the state pimps the city, the city pimps the people. And one of the biggest tricks in the media is they'll, they'll convince you to join the service and put your life on the line for this country and pretend they got your back until they send your ass home and you can't get your doctor's appointment, you can't get your, your benefits that you're supposed to get. I think it's the biggest trick in the world. And these kids still join the service knowing that there's a line of veterans who wasn't even taken care of, who died because they didn't get their proper medical attention, or sitting around now in the lobby of a, um, a veteran's hospital not being taken care of. And I like to talk about everything in this world. And I would just love for this beautiful sister who, I mean, listen to me. I don't even know why she went to the service. I don't, uh, like... <laughs> Uh, I can't, the, the personal part is a whole different story, but this is my babe. And she's going to just talk to us about the things that you need to move. Because we've talked about that, so we got to talk about this on the podcast. So, baby, go ahead. You know where we're going. So let's talk about the benefits now. How did you, well, let's talk about you first. Yeah, how you joined the service. Why did you join? Why did you get out? Did you get out at the right time, et cetera? Okay. Um I joined the service right after high school. Um, I actually got accepted into college. And um, at that time, my parents, they were like, okay, we'll help you through school. And, uh, you know, you could just stay at home. Um, to be honest, I was pretty rebellious. I was like, no, nah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I can and, see that. <laughs> you can see that. <laughs> and then, too, I also, you know, I just wanted to get out and and see the world and I know that sounds crazy but that's what I wanted to do so um, I had talked to a previous friend of mine that graduated before me and they were in the military and they were just going to all these different places so I was like you know what I'm gonna do that and uh, my dad he was like oh no you know the military is no place for a woman so that kind of motivated me even more <laughs> to uh, wow. 
yes, to go. And my mom, you okay. know, she was all for it. So that's how I ended up uh, joining the army. Now, and, how did you how did you learn about the stuff in the army? Like when you went there, did you know what you are, you wanted to become? Did you just come to get away from your family, or did you go there with a purpose to? When you retired one day, you wanted a certain job, or did you find out what you wanted to do in your 20 years, and that's where you are today? Oh, wow. So, honestly, just like any young person now, I didn't have a clue of what I was getting into. Um, You know, you go, you talk to a recruiter, and one thing I could tell you, like, when I was an instructor, you know, we have new recruits, which is, people's kids now, you know, they finish the second part of your training, and they're like, oh, my recruiter lied. My recruiter said this, you know. And sometimes <laughs> I know a couple of recruiters that do lie, but mm-hmm. one thing I could tell you, a lot of things, you know, that you and I talked about, I actually did not start learning them until I, like, I was in and I stayed in. And then that's when I just really started, like, figuring stuff out, you know. And like what? Talk, talk, let's let's tell the the world is listening to us. So let's bring those things up. Let's bring that stuff up because if somebody listening, you you're gonna help them make a a decision that would change their life. Okay, uh, figuring out that a lot of times, majority of the time, like I said, some recruiters do lie. A lot of times they don't lie. Um, mm-hmm. When when you sign those contracts, a lot of it is just military jargon. You coming off the street, you don't understand that. So right. they're not really lying. It's it's just they're not telling you everything, which I guess that would be a lie. But it's it's military jargon, and they're not explaining to you like how to break it down. Like what exactly does this mean? For okay. example, exactly. um, I have I've talked to some recruits. They'll be like, "Oh, uh, my recruiter said I only have to do uh, two years," but what they don't understand is like. Yeah, you only have to do two years, but you have to do it within this area. Meaning, like, for instance, you have some people, they'll say something like, oh, I want to go in, I want to go into the medical field. Okay, Mm -hmm. that's great. We can get you in there. But then there's a a test called the ASVAB. You might not score that well in that area. And so they'll come back and be like, well, I can't offer you that. I can only give you this. But then sometimes, too, I have seen to where a person might have scored good, but there is a thing where they're trying to fill certain jobs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so if they're trying to push for certain jobs, then that's what they're going to throw at you. Like you might not have came in and said exactly what you wanted to do. You just came in and was like, yeah, I want to join the military. I'll take the test. And they'll see, like, dang, this person scored good at this, 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 and this. Mm-hmm. Uh, something like maybe a medical, uh, technical, aviation. But then they'll come back and they'll be like, well, we got to feel, we need some more uh, unit supply people. Hey, this is what I can offer you. Wow. Now, what's the purpose of a test? Like, you're the army, whatever, like, shit, I want to join. Why do I have to take a test? I think they just try to see like your skill set and where they could put you, what kind of job they could put you to to fulfill their needs. 
their needs, meaning the military needs. So Mm -hmm. you have some people, I remember that test, they had like a lot of math, mechanics stuff. So if you uh, score high in like uh, mechanics questions, maintenance, they'll put you with something in that field. Okay, okay. Now, is this like a, how how long is this test? It sounds like it's it's, it's like about an hour. (laughs) Yeah, it's about an hour, maybe two, depends on how long it takes you to take it. You have some people that stay in there. I think the longest I've seen a person stay in for the ASVAB was maybe like an hour and a half. That's the longest I've seen, yeah. Right, 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 right. Now, a lot of kids, a lot of people who are in the service, um, when they try to get their pension and they don't know about how to get pension, when we talk about that, can you explain to the people about the the, the things they should know if they actually do go into the circle? Every division is different, right? The Army, Navy, and Air Force is different. Yeah, well, every branch is different, but this pension is the same across for everyone. So when I came in, um, I didn't intend on doing 20 years. I came in, I was having fun, I liked it, I kept reenlisting. Then as I kept moving up in rank and, you know, just studying things and getting information, then that's when I got learned more about the pension. So. Before, before I think it was 2012, you could go into any branch of the military and do 20 years, and then you could retire, and then you'll get a pension for the rest of your life. Now, your pension mm-hmm. at that time would be, they call it the high three. So say, for instance, uh, you was in the Air Force and you retired uh, uh, E6. You would get, and you was an E6 for more than three years, mm-hmm. you would get the half which is 50% of the base pay of an E6 for the rest of your life. That, that's right. what you would get mm-hmm. now. And what's the top salary of an E6? Uh, I couldn't even tell you right now. <laughs> I didn't, yeah, I didn't retire. But uh, an E6 retired is probably bringing home about mm, maybe two grand a month. Okay. okay. For the rest of their life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. I, I'm just guesstimating. Um, okay, okay. But um, so yeah, you could you would get that for the rest of your life on top of any disability claim you will file. So I haven't got to the disability yet, but just mm-hmm. the retirement portion. So that was before 2000. I want to say 12. So back in I want to say it was like 2000, either 17 or 18. It changed to where recruits that were coming in after a certain time would and they did twenty years will no longer receive that high three pension. They will get basically what a private um if you went and worked for a private firm right now and they had a, a retirement plan and you put a certain percentage of your pay into that retirement plan monthly, well the military right. is the same way now. So you basically wow. get what you put in. Okay, so that's good and bad. So if you're smart and you put a lot of money in and you live, you'll have a decent life. But if you don't take advantage of your situation, your situation could be bad. Yeah. Same thing as now. It's like most uh, civilians working. If they if they don't have any uh, 401K retirement or any investments that they've done while they've been working their whole life, then once they stop working, Whatever you got, that's what you got. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah, <clears throat> that's truly interesting. Now, one of the things that um, that is on my mind is that why do most young people join the service? Like, you've been a recruiter. Well, I, from so what I, I see, a lot of people join just basically their situation in life. Um, you see, you see all kinds of people in the military. You see people that are really like patriotic, which is a very uh-huh. small percentage, like two percent of the military. They're very okay. patriotic, and they're like, "Oh, I love my country." You know, this is what I'm going to go do. Then you have another uh, group of people that are like, "Hey, I just want some money to go to school." Then people go just to get it, just to get money for school. Yeah. Oh, okay, for school. Okay, I hear that part. Okay. Yeah, for school. And mm-hmm. then you have some people that, you know, unfortunately, you know, in environments to where, you know, they were brought up poor and they just want a better life. So they think like, okay, I'm just going to go into the military. Right, which is That's better than some situation. Yes. Which, which is, is better than some of the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's kind of like the majority, you know. Do you have a couple of people that were – I know one person, uh, I don't even know if they still do this or not, but I do know one person that went in that uh, they kept getting in trouble. And uh, they were they were basically told, like, hey, either join the military or, or go to jail. But that was like a person from a long time ago. I don't even wow. know if they still do that or not. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I do know one person that came in like that. So it's just basically different situations and, a lot of it, though, has to do with, you know, just basically your living environment. Because I could tell you, even though um, I was raised in the house with both of my parents, my parents weren't rich. I mean, mm-hmm. we were, you know, we lived okay, but we weren't rich. So that was another thing, too. I knew, like, my parents couldn't, uh, you know, pay for me to go travel the world and do all kinds of crazy stuff I wanted to do, you know. Right, I had to, right. I had to get it myself. Now, how do you handle? How did you handle the um, the sexual harassment? Because you're a very beautiful woman, so I know that's big in the service. So, how did you handle it? Uh, I'm not gonna lie to you. I've been sexual sexually harassed a lot of times. I haven't been sexually assaulted, thank God. Unfortunately, I do know mm-hmm. some people that have. Right. Um, honestly, from and I'm just speaking from my experience. I feel like mm-hmm. I've been blessed because. I've always had someone around me that was like, hey, you know, we're not going to do that. And then as I got older, like, I really learned. That's one thing I could tell you. Well, it's plenty of things. But one thing I could tell you um, I did learn, you know, being in the military because I am a female. And it's been times I've been places where I'm the only female in a group of men. And I've learned to just kind of maneuver that, you know. And mm-hmm. it just taught me, like, for one, you got to take take up for yourself. You know, you don't have to be rude or nasty. Because nothing to, um, I am a black female, and a lot of times black women do get labeled a certain way. And, mm-hmm. I, and I did just, as far as, you know, the angry black woman. But I've learned, mm-hmm. like, you know, you can still be a soldier, you know, be feminine, and still set your boundaries. And, like, you know, if people just kind of know, like, hey, you know what? I'm not going to mess with her. Okay. You know? Respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you basically, you pray on the week. 
Yeah, but I think that's in life too. You know, just yeah, if people yeah, see your weakness, that's why I came up with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if people see a weak part of you, they're, they're unfortunately they're gonna prey on that. So you, yeah, you just got to show people in the world who are just really clever and manipulating, whether mm-hmm. it's in the service, whether it's in the streets, whether it's in prison, et cetera, It's all there. You know, yeah. I just found it fascinating because, like I said, um, when I met you years ago, and to know. Um, your journey into um, just, you know, when we talk and to hear what you've done and how you achieved it and when we was talking about um, all these things. Now, what do you, how do you think they can fix the the veterans hospital thing? Because that's where, in my mind, is mind-bottling because people still go to the Navy, to the Air Force, to the army, knowing that it's a high chance if something happens to them, they're not going to be appreciated when they come back injured or missing a limb. Well, I think honestly, I think for what I see now that I that I am a veteran and I'm actually going through the system, mm-hmm. um, I think they're trying to fix it. I think some things do need to be gutted out. Um, I've had some terrible experiences. I could tell you right now, I went to the the VA not too long ago and uh I had sprained my ankle and mm-hmm. I was my doctor was like, Yeah, I'm gonna send you a foot brace. Child, I still I still ain't seen that brace. But uh wow. she said she was gonna send it, so I'm glad I didn't uh wait for it. But right, right, um, right. I do think that, you know, I think a lot of it is political, to be honest. I really do. Um, I've noticed a lot of times it depends on it depends on where you're at. Like mm-hmm. where I'm at, like now I talk to a lot of veterans that go to the the hospital in Baltimore, and they're like, "Oh, it's good. Like I like it there." And right. the one I go to, I'm just kind of like, you know what? Why is this even here? Um, I think. Honestly, I think it's political, and I could go down a whole rabbit hole with that. You do have a couple of people there, you know, that actually care and trying to make sure that you're good, but the majority mm-hmm. of it is political. Now, a good thing is there has been a rise of, like, uh, outside organizations that do uh, help veterans, and one of them I tell everybody about is the Wounded Warrior Project. Okay. The Yeah, the Wounded Warrior Project, they're not an affiliate of the VA, they're just um, another organization that's there to help veterans. That project has helped me uh, get disability claims done. Um, I referred them to other veterans to do their disability claims. They also have different um, events that they hold for veterans. Like, it's it's just the they're just all about veterans. And honestly, I think the VA could take a, a page out of their book. You know, okay. it's yeah, so it's different organizations. That's that's nothing I would tell a lot of veterans too. Like, the, you know, reach out to those different organizations that are there to to help us because they, you know, they're set there a place for us and they're really making a difference. Don't just rely on. Yeah, don't just rely mm-hmm. on like I'm gonna go to the VA and I'm gonna get this done, which is great. You should, but I mean, use those other organizations that are there for us. Now, here's a question. How do what you've seen in your career when men or women have cheated on their spouse? They got a wife 
a girlfriend at home, but they get somebody pregnant in the service, and the wife or husband finds out. How is that usually handled? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I know that's big, man. I know it. <laughs> man, you know what? <laughs> the military has actually shaped my point of view of dating, too. Oh, my God. That's why I really, like, I'll be fooling with the long distance. I've seen, when I was in Germany, I knew somebody that we were in Germany. They had, like, a living girlfriend. Like, they just living their life, and then you find out later, like, dang, you got a whole wife and kids that you left uh, in Kentucky. You over here living like a single man. Like, wow. you see that type of stuff all the time. Now, that's one thing I will tell you. If you uh, want to, I hate to say it like this, you want to meet a whole bunch of different women and go get your liking of every one of them, you will be able to experience that in the military because you move. No, no, no. Let me tell you a story. I was in, <laughs> this one I was with my daughter's mother, and she had this girlfriend. Her husband was in the service, one of the corniest looking niggas in the world, right? <laughs> and you look at me, people think, oh, TK Kirk on the player, bitches love TK. Me and this young man went for a walk talking, and he told me all the women that he had. I'm looking at him, <clears throat> and I'm like, if somebody saw this motherfucker, they would say, this is the corniest guy on the planet. See, TK, by a TK fucker. And this dude had me beat by a long shot. And that's important for people to know. You can't judge a book by its cover. And people, and I'm not trying to hate on people in the service. And I'm not trying to get the women who are listening to this and your, your, your family member, your husband or your boyfriend's in the service and, you're being faithful, and this beautiful sister just said, oh, this nigga might have a whole other family in Germany or, <laughs> or the U.K., but the facts are the facts. It's a possibility that that's happening, and everybody needs to weigh their options and um, ask questions and um, do your research and follow up on. I always call it dick monitoring and pussy monitoring. <laughs> you don't have to be a cop but you can't give someone you care about too much space. So you have to dick monitor. If you fuck with someone, dick monitor. If you got a woman, monitor her motherfucker puts up where you keep everybody off guard to keep them honest. That's important to me. <laughs> now, what about the, the, the men who have babies with somebody in the service, like a female, and they got oh. a family? What happens to... Oh. What happens to those guys, that, that situation? Oh, I've seen that play out so many ways. I've seen, like, the wife call the inspector general office. They do an investigation. I've seen people get demoted. I've seen people, you know, get kicked out. Then I've seen some people, I don't know how they do it, but they maneuver and they just move duty stations. Or, excuse me, I've also seen, like, where some people, I guess they try to get ahead of the game. So they be like, okay, I got this girl pregnant. I got a wife. One or two things could happen. The girl could get an abortion or the girl could just not be saying, like, who the father is, and then she eventually leaves the military. And then it comes out, oh, let me tell you a story. So another thing, too, you talk about the uh, marriage, but the fraternization. So Explain. 
so the fraternization in the military is kind of like, okay, so I, when I was a senior and I was probably like in my early 30s then, and say uh-huh. I met someone who was like um, a E6 or okay. maybe even a field grade officer and we're all about the same age. That does not matter. It is fraternization. So you're basically you're not supposed to date the officers, which is like your captains, your lieutenants, uh, your majors. They're not supposed to date enlisted soldiers. Oh, is that right? Yes. Like you could okay. be, yeah, you're not supposed to date none of that, even though sometimes it happens. But, uh, yeah, you're not supposed to date them. So, and then also, too, if you're enlisted, and say you have lower enlisted, which would be, like, your people that are just coming in that are, like, private specialists, uh, you're not supposed to date the uh, non-commissioned officer, which is, like, the sergeant, your staff sergeant, sergeant first class. That's that's Army rank, but mm-hmm. same thing. Those private's not supposed to be dating the uh, sergeant. Well, this is a true story. <laughs> I uh, dated a guy that we were the same rank, and then a private came into the unit. Right. So keep in mind, at the time, I think I was like, I wasn't even 30. I was probably like in my 20s, but this person was in their 30s. And I okay. want to say this private was like 19. I know she wasn't uh, legal because one of the other seniors brought me and the, other, the guy into the office, and he was like, why are you messing with that soldier? She can't even buy you a drink. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, of course, he kept denying it. Well, fast forward, she comes up pregnant. So, they're, yeah, they're, they weren't married at the time, but, you know, the speculation around the company was like, who the daddy, you know, but if they're denying it, you don't have no blood test and nobody knows. I mean, people knew, but nobody knew, knew. Okay. Cause so she it's did not it like, to protect his job. Right. And, of course, he wasn't walking around saying, like, yeah, that's my baby or whatever. Well, mm-hmm. fast forward, she ends up getting out the military. And last time I heard, they married and had a couple of more kids. So that turned out good then. Yeah, it turned out good for them, but I'm just saying that type of stuff happens. Like, you know, you're not supposed to be dating certain people, but people do it anyway. I would not advise that. But, <laughs> but, I, but you, you know, but you, but you, but you think that's kind of hard? Like the gentleman on the news who was married and he started dating his co-anchor, and they kept it a secret, right? Oh, and then it was coming up because they got loose, they got too comfortable. Now, here's my thing about life. I understand people want to be in love and you're cheating on your spouse, but if I'm making $800,000 million a year and I'm cheating on my wife, but I have a chance of losing all of this because I'm messing with my co-anchor, bitch, you got to go because ain't that much money in the world, ain't that much good pussy in the world to make me want to give up a million, two million, probably more a year because I'm quite sure – he was the anchor man in the morning. He was his salary was up there. He lost everything. Yeah, I saw that. You know what? I agree with you, TK. But also, too, I think as a man, and I say this respectfully, yes, man. As a grown man, what you just said, like you a thousand percent on point. 
But you would be surprised, well, you probably wouldn't be surprised, but of how many men, grown men, that do not have dick control, that do not yes. think like, you it's know so what, I, I could get this, I want to get it, but I'm not, I don't want to mess up my livelihood for it. You know? Right. And, and they, they risk it all. Give me an example. Remember the Chinese lady who was on The View and she quit a job right at the top of the scandal of the Me Too movement? Well, she was married to a real powerful guy over at 20th Century Fox, if I'm not mistaken. His, his last name starts with an M. I can't remember. Well, he got busted. He had seven women on payroll in the office. One of the girls who got extra money, her job was just to come in and give them head in the office. What? <laughs> All this came out. Now, he's married to the Chinese lady. I forgot her name. Well, he I know what you're talking about. I can't think of the name, but go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, he had a $72 million pension or bonus structure, whatever. And because of that, they didn't have to pay him. Whoa. $72 million because of that. And there were so many men in the news world. I forgot this other man's name. He had dildos and all that shit at the job. And he was a pervert. He lost his job. He was on the morning news. All these people are gone now. But you already see my stand-up, and I always teach men, at least try to teach men about discipline and you don't have to fuck everybody especially when you can lose, I, I even try to give the game on how to do it, if you do have kids, if you do have a wife and you want to fuck, like you gotta really be cold with it, you gotta fuck, give the bitch the wrong name or number and you never see her again, but you know what most men do? <clears throat> They want to keep the bitch. So now they take her to the same restaurant they take the wife to. They love the girl so much. Sometimes they get a, they got the money, they got an apartment, got her around the corner from the wife. Now, women sometimes would do it too. A woman can be with her husband and a, um, um, a boyfriend and cheat on him, but maybe once in a while, but she got herself together. But if a man is suspicious of his woman, He'll start doing certain things, and he'll definitely um, find out. I have, in my journey, in my life, I think I've been on every angle of a journey, and that's how come I can give so much knowledge on certain things because I actually lived it. But I also actually um, hear what you're saying because they don't have dick control, and most young men don't have knowledge, don't have game or confidence, right? So I think... People never had nothing once they got money. They lost their mind or they got money and they was married already. So they started cheating because sometimes money gives you confidence. So you never had a chance to talk the way to talk, but now that you're a millionaire, you're just getting real cake. Now you just, and people think it's um, their ego, which it is. But in actuality, you never felt this way before because when you didn't have any money, you just loved your wife. When you got some money, you started feeling empowered. You feel like, ah, so you think you should have everybody, but take away the money, you're still the same person that you was. So it goes back full circle to what you were saying. 
and that how men don't have dick control and women don't have um, pussy control too. It's, it's just as bad. And one of the hardest things in life is once you get a good taste of good dick or a good taste of good pussy and you get married and it's not like that, that will haunt you for the rest of your life. You think so? Oh, man, let me tell you something. <laughs> I've had good pussy in my lifetime. And if a woman, if I'm thinking about getting married, which I'm not thinking about getting married, but if I did think about it, if that woman don't have that for me to get married, I'm not doing it. Like, you got to have a certain look about you that I can look at you for the rest of my life and be turned on. That's how I want to look at my woman. Mm, I want to be like okay. across the room looking at her, where her knowing look just just like ah oh, that girl's so motherfucking beautiful, kind of like how I do with you, you know. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but I see you, I, I see you from afar. This is that kind of effect that I, I would like for my woman to have. But without that, then after that, then it's substance, conversation, it's character. It's how a person makes you feel. Are they thoughtful? Are they considerate? All these things play um, and part, part for me. But mm-hmm. to stay focused on Army and the Navy, what would you, what kind of advice would you give to a female and a male who was getting ready to join the Navy, the Air Force, and the Army? What would you tell them to to better their journey? Um, I would tell them to research first, meaning that if you know a veteran that you could talk to that would tell you the truth, like talk to that person first, most definitely, because you want to get someone's experience. I mean, understanding that everyone's experience is not going to be the same, but just get their experience on where they've been, you know, things they've been through, and just about, you know, as far as how contracts go. Because that's another thing, too. Uh, people sign that contract, and, and they don't really understand, like, you know, what they're signing. Some do. You know, you got to So explain that. There. Explain that part right there. <clears throat> and explain that part. Then also explain you're not really in the service until after a certain time. Remember you told me that you can still back out yet? Yes, but they don't tell you that. But um, yeah. so you sign your contract. You go off to basic training. So, um some people I've seen I've seen some people kids now people I know like their kids don't even make it out of basic training, but um, after basic training, you're you're military they're paying you but you're not officially in you're not officially in until you get to your in the army we call it advanced training um, in other branches they call it tech school or whatnot. So after you finish that school and you take that second oath, then that's like when you're really in. So you could back out and go home and just go home, and it's like it happened, but it's it's not like a a bad discharge, okay. meaning like you just didn't complete and you left for whatever Have reason. You seen anybody emotionally? be fucked up because they didn't make it. No. Um, 
Because it's, it's, you have to be just real messed up of a person to not make it, to be honest. Or you just, morally, you did something you just didn't have any business doing to, to not make it. Like, and believe it or not, the people that are there, meaning the, um, the instructors, the drill sergeants, they're not even trying to make you fail. They want you to do good. They, you know, okay. they want to push Here's you. Here's a crazy good. question. If you guys are out in the field, women, you're out in the field, you're fighting, you're, you, you're doing what you got to do to protect the country. Do This is a crazy question. You're going to laugh your ass off. Do you ladies carry vibrators and stuff with y'all when you're traveling? No. Well, I did. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, I'm about to shoot this motherfucker, but I need to nut real quick before I go out here to the field. I just, I want to know if that type of stuff is forbidden. I, I, I would think it would be. Honestly, every time I went uh, to the Middle East, the last thing on my mind was a vibrator. Okay, so. cool. I'm just curious. <laughs> I, because I know women, I know people have emotions and feelings, and I just think of the craziest things. And right before I ask that question, I said, I can see them packing, getting ready to go to whatever part of the world, and somebody's bag fall out, and the motherfucker got a vibrator in their bag. I just want to know if that ever happened. Not to my knowledge. Look, I don't okay. know if these new people do it, but <laughs> that yeah, never crossed my mind. Yeah, these new people are different, ain't they? They real different. That's what that's like. That never crossed my mind. But yeah. um, you know, as far as um, being overseas, and when I say overseas, meaning like Iraq, Afghanistan, places mm-hmm. like that, um, it's not like you. For me, it wasn't like I was walking around like shooting at the enemy or anything like that. Right. Um, I was on we call it a FOB, a forward operating base. So that was basically like the main hub of, you know, wherever we were at. And um, my the first time I went over there, the place I went to um, in Afghanistan, it wasn't even fixed up. Like we were living in tents for like the first couple of months. Wow. Um, yeah, it was really bad. But Where's they, your bathroom? We had porta potties. Okay. And then we also... Like, I realized a couple of times I went to the wood line because sometimes those porta potties, they'd be nasty. I'd just be like, you might as well do it outside. Okay, so, okay. <laughs> the one of your ass is tough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we. You know, anybody, anybody take a dump out in the woods and shit is tough. <laughs> you got to be scooting around looking for a motherfucking bear or animal about to crack your ass. You can't even use the bathroom comfortable because you, your eyes is everywhere. But you take your, you know, you take your buddy with you. Your buddy can stay like a couple of feet away, and you know, you do what you do. I've done that before. That's me. funny. <laughs> but, That's hilarious. <laughs> but for the most part, they do have porta potties and stuff set up for you. Okay. Like they try to make you know um, living arrangements for you. But that first deployment, like a couple of months after I got there, and it was weird, too, because we got there, we was in the tent, and the barracks was right there. Like, we can't go live in there. But about, like, after a month and a half, they uh, opened them up, and we were able to move, to move in. And that's where they, they had, that like, purpose, you think? You said what? 
You think they do that on purpose? They want y'all to wait about a month before you go in there, like to build some type of character or something? No, they were just basically uh, trying to uh, finish the plumbing. That's all it was. They were just trying to finish the plumbing. Funny as hell. <laughs> That's funny as hell. No, but when we, we got there, there movies? Oh, I don't watch yeah, military TV. movies. Uh, that deployment, no, we didn't have a TV, but we did have, we brought our laptops. So, but no cell phones, right? At that time, a couple of people did uh, have cell phones. That, I'll tell you, I'm telling my age, but on that deployment, uh, there was no TVs. We brought laptops. We would always watch movies on laptops, Mm -hmm. and um, eventually they did start uh, getting cell phones out there, but we will also use the, um, oh, I can't think of the name of it, but it's a military phone. So, like, our, um, I call them OIT now because I've been civilianized, but um, the people that do, that hook up, like, the Internet and the phones and all that, the, the soldiers that do that, you know, they, mm-hmm. they hooked us up. They hooked up those phones, and we was able to call back to the States. Then also, too, um, they had what you call MWR. I think it's Military mm-hmm. Welfare Recreation. Then they would be out there, and they would set up, like, phone centers and um, Internet so you could take your laptop in there. And then in the MWR, and it would be, it was in a tent. <laughs> in the in, okay. in the MWR tent, then they did have TVs and movie nights and stuff like that, you know. So they tried to make it on that fob to where it was kind of like home. And how was the food? I don't know what it is with military. Like you go somewhere, and for like the first month, the food good. I don't know, it's weird. But then after that, it just gets nasty. But it's the same food. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but is the food good? I mean, is it, is it, is it like slop that they have in jail? Or oh no, 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 no. <laughs> okay. Okay. So they're not just giving you anything. No, you got to think, too, the military also has its own cooks, like soldiers that are cooks. And then there's also civilians that get contracted out there to help us. So mm-hmm. it's, it's soldiers and, and airmen that's really out there, you know, we all really support each other. So you have okay. cooks. You have people that can hook up Internet. You have people that can get supplies in and out. You have people that drive everywhere. Like, it's. It's really like its own entity. There's a, a okay. person that that does everything. Wow. Even okay. for the plumbing, the um, there's a a MOS or a skill set of soldiers that that do that. That okay, and, good. Yeah. Good. Yeah, that's good. So listen, babe. <clears throat> you still love me? You said, "Do I still love you?" Oh, yeah, you still love me. Yeah, you know I love you, TK. That's right, that's right. I don't mind a little lie. I don't mind a little lie. <laughs> <laughs> you remember when Listen. I was talking to you? I used the wrong word. You a charmer. Yes, I'm a gentleman. <laughs> yeah, you know, like how you tell your age, you could tell a man's age if he's a gentleman. And I move differently. And the thing that has happened in my life, most of the women that I've met is, 10, 12 years younger than me, 
And that's a big difference in society today because there's like a massive change that changed. So a man like me is considered, oh, you're a charmer or what does he want? So when I do meet women, I say, hey, I don't need your car. I don't need your credit. I don't need you to cook. You ain't got to wash for me. All I want is for a person to be thoughtful and considerate. Those things are important to me. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the T.K. Kirkland Podcast. I'm in Atlanta now. This is New Year's Eve. And I want to thank all my friends and fans around the world just over the last 37 years, especially this year. All the people came out to get me sold our shows to really appreciate my stand-up comedy. I, I work hard to give you guys the, the game, the knowledge. Um, I take it very seriously. Um, I had to throw somebody out of my show last night. I had to throw somebody out of my show in Baltimore, Maryland. Like, I would throw your ass out. So when you come to my show, please be on your best behavior. I don't want to throw you out. So if you can't control your alcohol, just have a sip. Don't drink all that shit to the point that your ass is loud. I'm going on vacation. I will be doing this next episode from out of the country. And then when we come back, Martin Luther King weekend, ladies and gentlemen, I'll be at the world famous punchline in Detroit, Michigan. Make sure you get your tickets. It's definitely going to be eight shows, and I think it's almost sold out already. But I'm looking forward to it then um, January 16th to my L.A. fans. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be at the world-famous Improv, Monday night, 10 p.m. Make sure you're in the building. We're going to have a good time. Young lady, you know, I'll call you soon. I'll probably call you back later today. But okay. thank you so much for this information. Thank you so much for uh, sharing your knowledge to the people around the world. I hope to my fans and friends who listen to this podcast that it helps you in the decision you're making to join the Army, Navy, or Air Force. But here's the question of the day, darling. If you had to tell somebody which branch to join, which one would you tell them to go to that really take care of their soldiers? Believe it or not, the Army. Is that right? Yes. I would have never thought you would say that. Me neither. So the Air Force is fucked up, the Navy's fucked up? (laughs) So when I say take care, for me, take care of their soldiers, meaning that I have talked to, just in, shoot, 2022 alone, so many veterans that were Navy and Marines and Air Force that they were deprived of information while they were in, meaning that, for instance, um, when I was getting ready to retire, one of my family members was also military. He was a Marine. And um, he wasn't retiring, but I think he did like 10 years. And mm-hmm. uh, he was just, he just didn't want to do it anymore. So um, as I'm going through my process, they offer so many, they, meaning the Army, just offer so many resources when you're getting ready to leave. So the Army offered, okay, once you hit two years out, you can start a soldier for life, which is, where they show you about writing resumes, uh, 
converted military jargon to civilian jargon, um, going over uh, savings plans, uh, looking for work, where to look, where to move, like just basically convert you back to civilian life. Like okay. they, and you can start that two years out. When I talked to my family member, the Marines did offer a program, but in the Army it was mandatory. The Marines, they was just kind of like, if you go, you go, you don't, you don't. They they were, wow. it, it wasn't really pushed. Mm-hmm. And they were trying to work him up until the day he left. Wow. Whereas in the Army, you know, they're going to try to get what they could get out of you as well. But... Mm-hmm. You know, they still kind of give you that leeway to, to, you know, get yourself together. Once, um, I could tell you, once I knew I had somebody up under me that was getting ready to leave the service, uh-huh. my whole thing would just be like, okay, go make your appointments. And once you make your appointments, then I can know, like, okay, this person's not going to be here this day and this time. You give them the opportunity to, to get their stuff together you know what i mean like, like to take care daughter, right yeah to take care mm-hmm. of them and from what i you know when i talk to a lot of veterans that are navy and marines a lot of them weren't given that they're also too during that time too they go over filing disability my family member didn't even know about filing the disability claim so wow. it was like i was going to all the the training and i would just have to come back and tell him like okay, this what I this what they told us today, you know this what you need to do. Uh, that trader even go as far to setting up a LinkedIn account, mm-hmm. setting up Indeed accounts, basically put yourself out there to to leave the military, and then even talking to you about okay, let's decide. Let's say you you're not gonna work for a while, just like what options you have there, like what you could be doing, what training you could be getting, what school you could be going to, just everything mm-hmm. that's offered to veterans. And I can honestly say when it comes to that, to me, for what I've seen, the Army is on top of that. Other branches of service, not so much. Now, while you're in the service, quality of life, while you're in mm-hmm. the Navy and the Air Force, got it hands down. (laughs) (laughs) While you win quality of life, you know, things they offer their uh, sailors and airmen, it's it's top tier. Okay. Yeah. So like like being in the Ritz-Carlton. To me, yeah, they had it going on. I remember the first time I went somewhere joint and I was like, dang, they they living good, you know, (laughs) while they were on active duty. But what I saw when they're getting ready to leave active duty, being taken care of, not so much. Okay. So it looks like if you're in the Army, they're going to make sure you know what you're supposed to know. So to the guys and females listening, if you do join the Navy and Air Force, you know on your way out, you have to ask questions. Don't assume. And now you have this podcast right here, this episode, to listen to what this young lady is telling you, ask these type of questions so that you can be prepared because this is what we do on the T.K. Kirkland Show. We get you right. This is the T.K. Kirkland Podcast. I'm signing out for the last episode of 2022. And I want to thank everybody from the bottom of my heart, all the love and support you have given the show. 
Um, make sure you get my special T to the MFK. All right? Go, go get that and use code TK. It'll give you 50% off because I want everybody to have it in their um, in their collection of stand-up comedy. Baby, I love you. I know I always tell you that all the time. Please believe me. And to the world, I'll talk to you guys soon. This is the TK Kirkland Podcast. Peace. Take care, hun. All right, bye. Make sure you follow TK Kirkland on Instagram at TK underscore Kirkland. For more information about upcoming events and more, visit www.officialtkkirkland.com. This episode of the TK Kirkland Show was produced by Chris Thomas, executively produced by Charlemagne the God. This is an official Loudspeakers Network production.